Thanks for tuning in to the Empire Boxing Podcast. A huge thank you to our partners at Sting Boxing. It doesn't matter if you're into boxing for fitness, as an amateur, or as a pro, Sting has something for you. Head to their website, stingsports.ca, and use the code EMPIRE10 at the checkout to receive 10% off. An Empire Boxing and Unlearning Network production. Welcome back to the Empire Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jay, and tonight we have a champion in the room. We've got Jay Byard here, and he brought us his brand new title, the CPBC Western Canadian Bridgerweight title, which you got on the takeover too, just recently. And I want to start by talking about that performance. I, I feel like as soon as the bell dropped, you were just, you were hunting for that moment. And how did that feel for you? That felt so, um, that felt so good. It was like the homecoming the coming out party that I was supposed to have a couple of years late. Yeah. You know? um, so it really felt good to kind of come back and redeem myself, have that opportunity to do that in front of the hometown really felt good. Yeah. And you had quite a, you know, a, a crowd that came out to support you. So uh, this is a community from, from Surrey, kind of where you're based or just kind of like all the touch points throughout your life, like people coming out for you. You know, it was, it was humbling. There was people from all over. I awesome. mean, I had, I had family come in from, from Toronto. I had, um, you know, friends of sponsors come in, flew yeah. in flying in from Toronto. Um, yeah, it was just amazing to see how many people showed up and, yeah. and it was kind of funny to see how many people were like, oh man, geez, yeah, I missed it, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, you don't want to be that guy anymore. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's interesting even for us too, like, you know, we're like, we're posting about these fights like, you know, three, four months in advance. We still have people being like, oh yeah, you have a show coming up? When is it? We're like, come on, man, like, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I can feel that for sure. Um, welcome to the show. It is so nice to have you uh, in the you. studio tonight. And um, I also wanted to say like from that last performance, I mean, I get the best seat in the house and I was super impressed with your speed and your explosiveness coming forward. Is this something that you, you kind of always have in the arsenal or have you been training this in the last camp? Well, I think it's it's been there. It's just you guys seen it in spurts uh, right. periodically, right? And now that I've been able to get everything to come together, it's just you're seeing consistency with it. And so, you know, I just I was back in the gym the following Monday, basically getting ready for the next one. So, yeah. um, you know, when you stay in the gym and, and you're able to take some of the things off the table that cause mm -hmm. you to stay stuck in places, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's good to see. Uh, it's fun to see yourself continue to evolve, right? Like, yeah. Um, I'll be 42 here by before the next fight. I don't and like, believe it. I don't believe it. I don't either. Not a chance. No. And so like, it's, it's kind of fun for me to look at 42 yeah. year old fighters on YouTube and then look at myself and I'm like, you know, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot left in the tank. That's so, so cool. Yeah, yeah. It was, it definitely was a very, um, fine tuned, refined version of you and, and the, the confidence and the prowess that you had, you had just complete control of the ring from the moment the, the first bell rang. So it was a, it was a beautiful performance and a hell of a knockout. And we've yeah. been recently putting out some kind of cool footage and Jason's, uh, got the mastery of that. And we had that overhead cam this time, uh, shout out that. Eric. Uh, that was just amazing. So we've been able to capture some really good uh, clips of some of your highlights. Yeah, that was hot. That that right? real you guys put yeah. today was sick. It was like, super fire. So um, yeah, shout out Jason. Nice work. Um, Jay, tell us about where boxing began for you. Well, boxing began for me in, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I used to box at the old Citadel Boxing Club. And, um, you know, I grew up with a, a murderer's row of, of champions in our gym. I started boxing at about 10 years old. Um, I started getting bullied in the neighborhood when we moved back to the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, if I had to run to the gym after school, then so be it. And eventually, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, started accomplishing some things and, and visualizing the next step for me. Right. But um, for me, I was always told if I came to the gym every day after school, I'd be a champion. And, uh, you know, it was good to see that happen and and build on that. And then we were kind of just groomed to to expect to have success, right? Mm. So that's a really interesting, uh, that's an interesting quote, expect to have success and being groomed for that. Tell us about what that felt like as a young, as a young person being told by your, you know, your coaches and your, you know, your authority figures in the gym, like what did that mean and what that feel like for you? Well, it was like, it was eye opening because like you realized when you got to the gym after school that like the seniors were all there doing their thing. You know, we didn't really have any pros per se in the gym at that time. They, they would generally kind of move away from Halifax, right? Um, but they'd end up having successful amateur careers. And you know, I think we had, uh, we had five Olympians in our gym in 96. Three of them went to our gym, uh, went to the Olympics from our gym to Atlanta. And so, you know, I was 15 coming up at that time and had an opportunity to get ready with all those guys. 
that were at the North American qualifying rounds and stuff. So uh, the seniors like Jean-Francois Bergeron, mm. um, you know, guys like David Diefiebon, uh, guys like um, Troy Ross, guys that are now, you know, Canadian legends that had their careers mm-hmm. were the guys that I was cutting my teeth on in the gym wow. as a kid, right? Yeah. And so. what was that like from like sparring experience when you were a kid? Like, you know, you must have been sort of in awe, but like slightly terrified. Honestly, I wasn't. I was like, I went to the gym every day. Hmm. And like when I had a, a heavyweight Olympian to, to spar with, I wanted to be the senior super heavyweight champion when I was the intermediate champion. So I was always looking at that guy as that's my next competition. Right. You know, when I get to be a senior. Right. So I've got to I've got to get it in the gym. Right. So um, I didn't think about being afraid. Hmm. You know, um, I really just figured it was my 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 obligation to go as hard as I could, right? Our coaches did not soft spar. Uh, nobody soft spar. Yeah. It's like you wouldn't even get it. You wouldn't be allowed in the ring. You had to come hard. I feel like gym, that was right? a lot of boxing culture back then as yeah. well. It's sort of like, I, th- I think there's, for, for better and for worse, maybe there's an evolution of how coaches are approaching sparring, yeah. the frequency of sparring, the intensity yeah. of sparring. Yeah. But that, that definitely seems like sort of that quintessential classic look at yeah. how, you know, like what you're talking about, how guys cut their teeth and, and girls in the gym as well. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's, 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 it's your fighting. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're fighting, you know? Absolutely, right? Yeah. Like you learn... Like training is training. Like the real thing is the real thing, right? And sparring is still different than the real thing. And, you know, you can share that experience, competition versus sparring. Uh, the level of intensity, obviously the level of, um, you know, kind of danger that's presented with smaller gloves and mm-hmm. less protection on the head. So, um, you know, I think we were taught, obviously, uh, defense wins championships as well, right? Mm. So all of our guys were really... Uh, good defensive fighters that I uh, grew up around. So I, I I grew up watching these guys in the gym when I wasn't able to do those things. That's who I was patterning myself after, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, I was fortunate to have five Olympians in our gym uh, to pattern myself after and to, to, to train with and to constantly be competing against. And it wasn't fun. Um, yeah. Like there was days it was like, man, Jesus is going to suck going to the gym today. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm going to have to spar hard because I know I'm going to be sparring with our super heavyweight and our heavyweight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I'm, I am the man I am in the ring today because of those guys. Yeah. Right. So I'm forever grateful for, for those men. Yeah, it sounds like an incredible um, experience for your kind of figure early part of your career. Now, yeah. what, at what point did you start fighting um, what was your uh, first fight experience? I, I, I had my first fight at 11 as soon as I was basically able to uh, compete right. um, under the, the amateur boxing rules and regs. So I had a good year and a bit under my belt of training before nice. I had my first amateur competition. And how did that feel? Do you still remember that? I do. It yeah. was, it you was never forget, Cape right? Red. No, you never forget yeah. it. It was, it was hilarious because uh, we went up to Cape Breton and uh, it was the first time I had ever been to Cape Breton and we went to a club show where I'm fighting a local guy, right? So, you know, it was an atmosphere and an energy that I wasn't really expecting. Immediate underdog. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like basically in a bingo hall. So it didn't have a high roof, right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, you're almost roofing out in the ring. Yeah. Uh, So like, it really just felt like everybody was on top of you, right? Yeah. And uh, I was fortunate I won that first competition uh, by a stoppage uh, because I threw an overhand left and I, and I had a hairline fracture in my thumb. And I, that's why I remember that fight, because right. basically there was no uh, x-ray uh, department in the hospital at that time because they were rebuilding the hospital. Right. <laughs> so I had to wait to get back to Halifax. And then it took me about a week and a half to finally get in there. And no, it was because it wouldn't stop, like the swelling wouldn't go down. I was like, maybe I should go in. And yeah. I realized, yeah, okay, I got a hairline fracture. And from that overhand left. Yeah, and that like, there's fight. nothing he could do about it. Yeah, and it, I, I guess I knocked his front tooth out. So that's what happened. I whacked when him. When tooth and, meets and, thumb. Yes, yeah. and, and basically I showed up uh, to the corner in the, at the end of the second round, getting ready to go out in the third. And I'm just like, oh, oh coach, I can't. I, I think I broke it. I broke it. And yeah, he's, he's like, like, get your ass out there. Yeah, he's yeah. like, just, just jab, Jay. That's all you need to do, right? Yeah. I'm like, I can't, I can't. And then he, they rang the bell and I jumped back up. He's like, get out there. So I got yeah. out there. And then they rang the bell again. And I'm looking at my coach all confused. 
And the ref uh, and the doctor came over, took a look at him, and they waved it off. And I'm just like, thank no, God. I think because my thumb hurts exactly, so bad. Exactly. <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, but it always hurts less when you win. That's for yeah, sure. absolutely. Oh, that's yeah. an amazing uh, first experience, Kate yeah. Brennan. Like, it, yeah. it's funny those like those early amateur shows have like such fond memories of being oh, in the darkest, dingiest, grossest, absolutely. like whatever. And then it only you know as as your amateur career and like yeah. your pro career, yeah. it starts getting nice venues yeah. and stuff like absolutely. that. But that's that's kind of like the fun of it, isn't it? Oh, big time. And there's like nobody there (laughs) and and, and, you know it's like you know that show happens and it doesn't change the grand stage of boxing globally right Mm. but for you for you that's your first real experience and that's generally when you're like smitten with it right yeah and were you you felt just like this is where i'm meant to be yeah i was like okay i got one under my belt now okay if i can get one under my belt then you know it's possible to win a title someday and you know, it was a couple of years later, I won my first provincial title. So, wow. you know, that was awesome wow. as well. Right? Now, when your coaches kind of got a hold of you as a, as a young guy, like, were you pretty naturally athletic and developed already in that area? And if so, was there a sport that came before boxing for you? Uh, no, not really. I think boxing was really the first one. Like, I started pl- messing around with, with basketball and stuff in the neighborhood, but I wasn't really excelling at it, uh, particularly the way I did with boxing. But right around the time I won my first uh, Canadian title, so like 12 years old, um, I won um, my first heavyweight um, uh, amateur title, and and I started playing like basketball for the the, the school and stuff, and I found that that really helped. Uh, there's a lot of transferable skills, and now that I'm a coach and trainer as well, like I'll try and use those comparable analogies and stuff for people, right? If they come from another sport, I try and find a way to to transfer those skills or that that language that they're used to, right, mm-hmm. in a way that we can, you know, use it in, in boxing terminology for them. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so curious, like, you know, how, how do you communicate that with someone? Like one of your clients, like what's an example of something? Well, sometimes like um, when people are um, having a hard time with uh, getting comfortable with stepping forward when they're throwing punches or whatever, I'll mm. say, okay, well, if you come from a basketball background, you're used to the triple threat stance, right? Okay. So in that stance, basically it's the exact opposite of what you would be as a boxer, right? So if you're a lefty, you would be actually going to your left in that stance and it would feel comfortable to you if you just switched it around. So when I switched it around and, and explained the terminology them uh, to them in those terms, it really kind of helps to streamline it because mm. they're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's it's just like the jab step with basketball. So they get down in that crouch and they have, you know, the proper mechanics for that then and they start to explode with that jab. And then you just tell them, okay, now let's step forward with a punch there, right? And then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I get this, right? Yeah. So it really, it helps to be able to find ways that other people can relate to what you're trying to teach them, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, what an incredible way of putting it. That's such an important skill for a coach to have. It's like the ability to communicate and relate. And sometimes people need to hear it in their own own terms and their own language. And I think that's a skill set that you develop as a coach is like, how do I speak your language to you to teach you what I need to convey? Exactly. Um, So that's brilliant. You got to have range, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what brought you from Halifax to the West Coast? (laughs) Well, it was my extended vacation. And then, you know, once I got out here, I found uh, myself saying, you know, um, I knew a lot of the names from from BC. I knew some of the amateur fighters and I knew some of the coaches uh, from my younger days. Um, And then when I got out here, I connected with one uh, one of the coaches that had moved out of the area at the time. But he was the former provincial team for boxing BC. So I connected with him initially and then uh, some years passed again, about 11 and a half more. Uh, years on vacation, relaxing, and then uh, I bumped into uh, to Manny Sabrell. Um, oh, he was yeah. actually uh, one of the guys uh, that I was inside with had trained at the North Burnaby Boxing Club, and that was my first point of contact. So probably about five, six years that I, you know, corresponded with Manny and kept on the phone. Mm-hmm. He's probably thinking, geez, like, is this guy <laughs> ever going to, am I ever going to meet this guy in person, right? Um, but finally it did happen in 2019, and it was kind of an interesting experience there. Our first uh, introduction was him coming to visit me and, and watch me train and do a little pads with me. And yeah, I think I threw up like I don't know, six and a half, seven plates on the deadlifts and like just, just insane weights. And he's just like, oh my God, this is nuts, right? Mm. They don't think you need that kind of weight mm. training, right? And I was like, yeah, 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 right. And, you know, sure enough, I got out and realized it pretty quick, right? I was just, too, I had too much muscle on me, right? So. Right. You realize you have to make the thing that you want to do your priority. So like for 20 years, I just banged iron first, right? And then got my weights or my basketball in there or my hockey, right? Yeah. Uh, when, I, when I had the opportunity to come back to the sport, I had to make sure that boxing 
was the priority, right? Every day before I do conditioning, before I do anything else, get that out of the way mm. and let the rest take care of itself. Right. So what are some of the most like major ways you've noticed that your, your lifestyle has shifted to allow boxing to be that one thing, that main focus? I think it was probably, um, <laughs> The COVID pandemic and uh, <laughs> uh, fitness world, or formerly known as Steve Nash Fitness World, yeah, uh, rip Steve Nash. Oh yeah. yeah, using using that little uh, opportunity to get out from under the name scandal with the former uh, basketball player and restructure the company, and you know basically scumbagged everybody that worked for the company loyally, right? And uh, yeah, I totally forgot about the oh, whole yeah. Steve Nash. You know, suffice to say, it was one of those, that was the the pivotal moment when they offered me my job back, but took commission pays from the trainers and then took a pay level away and said, yeah, we want you to come back. And mm. I'm like, so, okay, yeah, no. Mm. I think I'm just going to do this on my own. And yeah. so that was really when I took the time and the opportunity, really saved all my money and, and, and designed and engineered Jab Fitness, right? So what year was Jab Fitness officially kind of, born i guess 2020 nice yeah that was the beginning and then what's it like been kind of being an entrepreneur and then a professional boxer kind of at the same time because it's it's like you know two (laughs) solid years to cut your teeth in a business and kind of turn all that around so tell us about that whole experience for you uh well you know it leaves you with no free time honestly it's two careers not having one job and one career it's it really is two careers um but you know one of the thing is um you know danny mack who's really involved with with myself and also some of the people that I have to answer to, right? He's always uh, been quick to mention to them that, hey, like boxing is is a pathway for Jay to set himself up for long-term success as well. You know, he has success in the boxing ring. That's going to transfer out uh, when he does step away from it into doing other things. Uh, so, you know, really, uh, he was looking at that as the long or the, you know, the medium-term projection there, and I got out in front of it. And I started it simultaneously. So uh, I can use my boxing career to really establish my reputation as a trainer. And I think one of the blessings for me was that um, I went to Fitness World and I got a lot of extra training that I uh, didn't pay for out of my pocket uh, through my uh, distance education and stuff that really uh, opened my eyes to a whole different area of fitness and training and stuff, right? So now when I train people, like, you know, I'm not just a boxing coach. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. And those credentials and that uh, application in my own body, now it's really the billboard. It's like I can say, yeah, you can look at my clients, and that's great too, right? And you're going to see the, the progress in there, right? You can also look at me. This, this is what Jab Fitness does. If you train consistently there, right, this is what my body looks like from the gym that I train at. So, you know, I work with Frankie and – at box to fit and we pretty much take care of like the skill development aspects there mm-hmm. and now since we can't get no smoke out here uh, we just go back east and find people to beat up in toronto <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah i remember yeah. the last time we i we were kind of chatting a little bit and you were <laughs> mentioning that you were heading out east to yeah. spar for the last fight yeah. uh, tell us about that experience did you get some good work while you're out there yeah it was awesome work yeah. you know i uh, met some some new people some new contacts um had had an amazing time um, sparring. I think I, I sparred four days in a row, took two days off, then sparred two more days in a row. Three of those six days that I sparred, I sparred twice in that day mm-hmm. and then only had about four hours of time in between the sparring sessions, like glove touch to glove touch. Yeah. So, like, I was spent. There's what no are you doing in those it. four hours? Like, having a nap? Like, getting taking a foot a rub? Sh- like- taking a hot shower, <laughs> yeah. slamming some fluids into me, you yeah. know, getting a few hammer gel packs in yeah. me to, like, try and get some potassium into me, maybe some fruit, some dates. Um, but honestly, I start just, you know, <laughs> trying to get my body ready for the next one, right? Because... You know, within three hours, your body starts to tighten up, you know, the yeah, the, the doms really starts to set in from a hit session, right? And it's like, my body's locking up and I'm like, okay, I got to go get in the shower now and start this rolling out business that I do and yeah. get myself ready. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I proved my point out there, I think. And, uh, you know, God help people when I'm fresh. That's all I can say. Yeah, it was a, it was a really, that's exactly what it was. It was a real fresh look at you. And it's, I think it's just a, like a snapshot into what could be for you. Um, as you continue this, like what, what I'm getting a lot from you is you have a really strong sense of discipline. Is that something you'd agree yeah. with? 
Absolutely. And I feel like that was probably instilled in you even from the early stages, like heading into those, those uh, gyms in Halifax and, you know, doing your work with that. I feel like they instilled that discipline in you. Yeah, they did. I think, um, you know, even though there was times in uh, my younger years where I might have floated away from the gym for, you know, consistently for, you know, a month or two, or mm-hmm. I was back in the gym because, you know, I knew, okay, I got to get ready. The nationals are coming or the provincials are coming or I just, this is who I am. I can't be letting myself fall off. Right. And, you know, there was just, there's, there was two, two, I guess, polarizing forces in life, right? Like there was my boxing and that was my way out and that was my path. That mm-hmm. was my goal and my focus. But then once I left the boxing club every day, right, then there's reality of, of being a kid that had a lot of uh, challenges and stuff, right. That were going on. So, you know, basically, um, when, you know, I had to learn the hard way. Uh, but I think that all the lessons that you need to learn to be um, a successful professional, I learned just a really abstract kind of way, right? And there was a lot of pain and suffering associated with it. But, you know, now the difference is, is that instead of being maybe that 22, 23-year-old guy coming, you know, back uh, and, and being successful from a campaign and going out and partying or throwing my money away on materialistic things, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm back in the gym the following week and I'm getting ready for the next guy and I'm harassing Danny to find me another body, right? And he's, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, you know, that's, that's just really, for me, that's what it is. Like I, I want to go hard until I'm done. And when I'm done, I know I'm going to be done. And I believe that when I'm done, that, that I'm going to be in a conversation with some pretty elite company because mm-hmm. I, I just believe that yeah. it's going to happen. Interesting, interesting idea. And like, you know, something to, to kind of unpack a little bit is the idea of like, how does a boxer know when they're done? How do you, how do you, how do you relate to that? Well, I think the biggest thing for me is just that, um, until somebody beats me up and I mean like beats me up, right. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to want to even consider that. Right. But like I've watched, I've watched every fight that I've lost so many more times than I've watched the ones that I've won. I think I've watched the last one once. Um, but like I watched those ones that I lost over and over and over and over and it just ate at me. And like, I'm the kind of guy that just cannot accept uh, losing without wanting to get some, some, some retribution to get that rematch. You know, guys that had beat me, they didn't want to take those rematches, you know, cause they know they were lucky. They, they caught me before I was really ready. Right. And you know, when you're an amateur and you come up and you have, you know, a name behind you and you got some some steam, right? You're going to have promoters that want to help. You're going to have money backers that are going to want to put some money into you that are going to help develop you, right? Um, when you have to take the journeyman route or you're even in a worse position, um, then you really have to find a way to do it yourself, right? Because those opportunities aren't really going to be there, right? So uh, being an older fighter, you, you know... I have to constantly educate the world that I'm 41, but I took 19 and a half years off of competition. So like, how did I, how did I really age if I was just training my ass off and just waiting for that opportunity? Mm. Right? You know, really the one thing that, you know, I can't get back is that for 20 years, I didn't continue developing and expanding my skills in like a real tangible way. Right. But I still studied the game. I still watched all my former uh, teammates, Canadian national teammates, pursue their careers. And uh, so, you know, that was the burn as well. Right. To watch my guys winning world titles and and family members fighting for world titles is like someday, man, I'm going to be that guy. And, uh, you know, the the stage is really set. The Bridgerweight division was like a gift from God. He mm-hmm. said, Jay, you're never going to get those years back. But here, you know what? I'm going to throw you a bone because there may be there's 50 guys in my division ahead of me in the world. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I know they don't want it as bad as I do. Hmm. Going back to what you said about, um, watching the fight you lost or the fights you lost hmm. more than the fights you won. That's such a interesting thing about those, those losses are lessons. You can call them too. They're, they're truly like the most pivotal moments in us developing and reaching that next level is to mm-hmm. what can I glean from the experience of, of a loss or a lesson. Yep. And it seems like you've really taken like full up, like full advantage of the opportunity to, to just analyze yourself and dig deep and to focus on that as, as your fuel to kind of move forward. And oh, that's yeah. really cool. That's again, going back to like a lot of discipline and 
in your, you know, in your heart and in your mind as, as well as your physical, you know, body. Okay. Now tell us about your clients and people you work with, with job enterprises. What kind of like, what's like, what really like gears you go up, up? Like, like, who do you really love to work with? What type of clients? Honestly, uh, I'd say half my clientele or more than half are not even boxing related. So I'm working with Gen people. Pop kind of. Yeah, they're yeah. they're you know they're working on recovery issues, uh, healing from previous injuries and right. stuff like that. So it's kind of like that in between uh, rehab or physio, right, and getting back to being one hundred. So I really enjoy like helping people correct their therapy and posture. It mm. stuff takes a lot longer, but like the rewards. It's not the glamorous stuff, but it's the essential foundation, right? Well, when somebody walks upright and they don't have pain in their neck and their back anymore, and yeah. they were almost crippled, you know what I mean? For or, sure or they can walk straight or they can run now and they couldn't before because their leg was so adducted out like because of a leg injury or a knee injury right so like those things for me are rewarding because like yeah it's fun teaching people how to box right mm -hmm. um, but most people aren't learning that sport for life and death or like the quality of life mm -hmm. when somebody comes to me that's you know dealing with an injury they've had for a long period of time or the affects of that, right? The, there's a lot there that you have to peel through and mm -hmm. kind of delve into. A lot of it's not even training, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to have a lot of different um, skills and specializations to get the most out of people. And I'm fortunate. Everybody that trains with me, they want to come. I don't have people canceling. I don't yeah. have people, like when people come work with me, they don't leave, right? They stick with me, you know, and they continuously renew. And for me, that's really... Um, that's the biggest uh, compliment and the biggest tip they could give me. Right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, because I understand the business. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, those it's mutually ones that, beneficial yes, too. Absolutely, yeah. right? Like that relationship is is something that you both end up building and kind of relying on in, yeah. in a matter Symbiosis of speaking. Symbiosis kind of yes. in a way, right? Yeah, like yeah. I, I miss my clients when I go away to training camp and and it's funny because I'm pretty sure almost everybody just takes the time off. Right? Like, thank God. It's interesting because, like, I'm in I'm in the same boat as you, and I, you know, I always I do struggle as as kind of a, you know, business owner in the mm -hmm. in the industry mm -hmm. as well. It's just like taking time off is so yeah. challenging because yeah. you know there's really if you're not doing it and working the hours, yeah. ain't nobody getting the work Absolutely. done, and then you know you're not getting paid or whatever. Absolutely. So it is a, it is a tough balance. Absolutely. So has that been something that you've really had to work on? If you brought anyone else in to scale it, or is that just something you kind of take on the chin and it is what it is, and you know your clients will be there when you come back, kind of thing. Uh, you know, really, it's one of those things that I don't think I could bring somebody in just the way that I have the home business set up. Right. Um, you know, I've thought about other options for like passive residual income uh, through my gym and stuff. But right now, I just think it's it's um, keeping it simple. I look at it this way. I don't have a lot of clients, um, but I have the ones that I need in front of me. And those are the ones that I'm supposed to be looking after. Right. right? Yeah. And honestly, God gives me what I need. I don't have to worry about a whole lot. I mean, when I stress about it, it seems to always find a way to come through. Right. Right. And so I just keep working hard. And, and, and sure enough, everything's kind of coming true that I, mm. I believed that I believed that I manifested over those years. Um, and the other people around me are starting to believe as well. So mm. that feels really good. Now you're, so your home, your gym is like a home setup. Yeah. yeah. Kindred yeah. spirits here. Okay. So how <laughs> much fucking fun was setting up your home gym and like creating a space and buying all the cool equipment? Like, is there stuff you haven't got yet that you want to get? Like where yeah. are you at with that? Um, I had a blast like, cause I, mean, best, I don't right? have, I don't have any trades under my belt, right? Like carpentry or anything yeah. like that, but literally to design and to engineer that and to do it, you know, by piecemeal and to, to do it and not incur any debt. Like those were things that I was really proud about and yeah. I was really happy about. Right. Because it meant that all the stuff that I took as far as curriculum and business, uh, and entrepreneurship that I retained that stuff, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I was able to keep costs low. I did everything myself. Yeah, the old you know. DIY. Yeah, right. Yeah, I felt, felt proud about the the end result, right? And, uh, okay. you know, space is really a limiting factor for me. So I have to really be careful about, you know, what I want to try and uh, pick up. Right. Uh, I've found that for some reason that the, the things, the tools for boxing seem to be coming more to me lately mm. as additions to the gym. Uh, but I have a lot of heavy uh, plates kicking around for people that want to just do the mindless. Uh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I love but, it. I mean, Some yeah. wasting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, every once in a while I get bored and I start throwing the stuff around too. But more than anything, it's just 
It's more just for content, right? For sure. <laughs> so anything on the wish list, equipment wise, that you have, you, you kind of want to get? Yeah, actually, you know, I do. I want to get the water bag. You guys might have seen oh, me whacking yeah. away at uh, yeah. Hidden City Fitness. The aqua bag. Yeah, I've got the small one, and I really enjoy that. But I, I want to get that bigger one as well because mm. I could really, uh, I could whack away on that all day long. It just. It's just, it's beautiful. Sick. Yeah, they're very yeah, cool. And they've awesome. got a cool sensor system that they have built in now too. Yes. And he, yeah, I haven't tested it out yet. Don't hate me. Um, but I do have one. So I'm, I'm looking forward to checking that nice, out. So nice. um, wicked. Okay. So what's next? Now you have the CPBC title. Is there anyone in the division that like, you know, you can, you know, is eyeballing you or who's coming for that title? Do you know? Well, let's put it this way. I'm eyeballing everybody. Yeah, okay. I don't care who's eyeballing me. I'm yeah. eyeballing everybody. And if you're in my division, I'm looking to put you to sleep. So yeah. Uh, basically, uh, we got some stuff in the works right now. Okay. Um, I'm probably not at liberty to talk about not it. Not yet. But not soon yet. enough, there'll be details okay, uh, that we'll be able to uh, share with everybody. So I'm really looking forward to the opportunity that will be coming up. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody will find a way to get it done. And uh, there'll be lots of exciting announcements to absolutely. To we share can't wait. We're chomping at the bit over <laughs> here, um, you know. And also, like a, you know, huge shout out to you for being really skillful and being able to market yourself the way you do. You know, that's something that you know we work with and, and notice in, in fighters. And obviously, as promoters, it, it, it's it's easier for us when a fighter's very motivated to to market themselves, to get sponsors, and to have people on board with them. Um, you know, it, it, especially at, at this level, like where we're, you know, a new business as well, starting up. And we're looking for everyone to have yeah. the same sort of ferocity elevating themselves as yeah. we are, right? And so that's something I noticed like you're, you're, you know, you're doing very well and you're able to get a ton of sponsorship and a lot of support. And how did that, did that come naturally to you? Did you just hit the pay we're like, you know, screw it. I'm, I'm going around and, and telling people my name and saying what I'm doing or how did that come to be for you? <laughs> uh, no, actually it was probably a, a, it was probably five years of getting nowheres at all and having doors closed in my face that the and, truth, though? you know, you know, chasing leads that turned into nothing. And, you know, really, uh, what happened was, you know, I ended up coming to start work with Frankie at box to fit and, um, you know, it, it was one of those things where I just put my head down and started grinding and just said to Danny, look, you know, I got to you got to you got to find something for me. Right. Because, you know, really, it was his feedback as a as a mentor some years ago when I wasn't able to even get going yet. Still hadn't even turned pro. He's like, Jay, I don't know what to say to you, man. But if you really want a career, he said, this is what you're going to need, man. He said, mm -hmm. You're going to need money. <laughs> he said, you're going to need a financial backer or a promoter. He said, you're going to need a manager or somebody that can put you in a real situation. And he said, you're going to have to basically prove everybody wrong because they're going to believe that you're old and that you don't have uh, the juice anymore, right? So you're going to always be in a situation where you're constantly having to prove yourself. Hmm. He said, but if you get that financial backing, he said, it needs to come from not the sport of boxing. Yeah. He said, because everybody's so friggin' jaded and miserable. He said, yeah. that's in this sport that you just. You, Accurate. Yeah. Accurate yeah. quote. Yeah. It can, yeah. it can be that way. Yeah. So, you know, really, um, I took those words to heart. And, um, you know, I guess if nothing more, I don't think I'm inaccurate by saying uh, that, yeah, even when George Foreman uh, came back, he didn't have financial backing, he didn't have a promoter, he had to invest in himself. Hmm. And, you know, on some level, I took some of those lessons and I had to apply those and, and try and parlay it into something. And I think um, there is some concern, you know, about making the right decisions, but I think everything worked out the way that it needed to. And now this year looks like it's a strap season tour. I just think this year we're going to be coming after every belt that we can possibly come for. Wait, can, are, you, are you looking to step outside of the Bridgerweight division or to stay in it? Oh, well, I believe that this was a test and this, uh, you know, it was also a gift. There's an opportunity I could easily fight up in that division. And there's all kinds of guys I think I'd make light work out of. Mm, but, just slap on a few more plates on that deadlift to get there. Yeah, but there's, this, was a, this was a gift. Hmm. And sometimes if you don't, you know, treat things with respect and care, then you lose them, right? And so um, I believe really strongly that there's a lot of people that are still purists in the game that don't want to see the Bridgerweight division created, right? They're not in there fighting and taking the shots from a guy six, seven inches taller than them and 30 pounds heavier, right? But they think it should still be that way because it's always been that way, mm. right? 
Um, I think it was actually the morally and ethically right thing to do by the WBC. And I really will be happy when the other organizations like follow suit and create that division and actually start trying to put something behind it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I believe this, there's guys in the business that really look at the nuanced details. When you make weight, they're finding out about it. What did that guy weigh? Was he on weight? Was he overweight? Was he in that discretionary range? Was he taking fights out of his division? If he was, that sends a message to those guys that don't have the jam to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could fight outside of my division and I could have success, but I could also end up getting, you know, unfortunately ran over by some big guy that just knows how to use his weight and size, right? Mm-hmm. And skill doesn't come into it. So um, I think we're at a point right now where um, we have a very clear path on how to get to the top. And I don't think any of those guys at the top of the Bridgerweight division in the world have anything when it comes to me. And it's just a matter of going out there every day and training. And every time it's time to show up for fight night, just destroying everybody. Mm. It's mm. just, I'm not going for decisions. Like, I mean, when you when you fight me, you just better have your house in order because mm. I'm really coming to put you to sleep. Mm. Yeah. Soundbite right yeah. there. That's yeah. what I want. Uh, what is... What is what is like I made it look like for you? Like that that kind of phrase, if that rings to you, what what would that look like? Well, I made it. What that would look like is I'm hoisting WBC green and gold belt over my over my head. You know, I'm 193 guys behind Tyson Fury right now. Mm. Right? And I'm a lot less behind the Bridgerweight champion. And I can tell you that these guys are in trouble when I get the opportunity to line up in front of them. Because I've been doing this, I've been training for them 31 years, Hmm. right? Anybody that's fighting me, I've been training 31 years for you. Just know that. And I wouldn't want to fight any guy that spent 31 years training for me. Mm. I wouldn't want to fight any guy that trains like me that has the seriousness in his way of doing things, right? I bite my tongue on how serious I am Hmm. about this shit. Wicked. I love that. Again, another soundbite. Chills. Uh, okay, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Okay, if you could fight anyone, anyone from the past, retired or expired, who would it be? Honestly, I would probably want to fight James Tony. Okay. That, that he was probably one or one A, my favorite fighter growing up. And I got like the utmost respect for what he did in the game. Um, you know, he was just uh, such a slick fighter. And uh, I think a lot of people underestimated how good the guy's chin was because he was cute, but he took a lot of shots in there, man. And, uh, you know, I don't ever recall seeing his legs wobbling in there, not from the welterweight division to the heavyweight division, right? So, you so know, tell us about the game. What would the game plan look like for that fight? It, honestly, the thing is, is that I would probably have a hard time not smiling the whole time. <laughs> Like I would just, I'm just so like, happy to be here, man, the in the clinch. Yes, this is the guy <laughs> that, I, in his ear. Yes, that I patterned my my head movement after, yeah. and I and I put the personal challenge out to myself. I wanted to be slicker than this guy. You know what I mean? I want to make sure when I come through fights, I'm untouched. And so, you know, guys like that provided inspiration for me. Guys like Roy Jones and some of the gazelle punches and ridiculous mm. stuff that he did. That he's like textbook so unfundamentally sound it's ridiculous but like when you're a superior athlete and your skills and your reflexes and your timing are just on a level above everybody else's then you see stuff like that right Right. well I mean correct me if I'm wrong but looking back at I watched your uh, I watched your fight um against Taylor Mm -hmm. just recently just again the other day correct me if I'm wrong like I'm pretty sure I saw you come forward real fucking quick with a with a with a hook lead hook yeah yeah Yeah. so speaking of that gazelle punch I mean that's deadly (laughs) and I mean our boy who just fought uh what last weekend was it uh you know Davis Tank Davis known for that known (laughs) for that gazelle punch right did you watch that fight oh yeah yeah, did, was it? Ex- I was. It was exactly how I thought it was going to go down. I think I called the fifth or sixth round, and it was the seventh or something. And I just knew it. What was that like? Did you have a call on that fight as well? I did. I actually called Tank by knockout, but I figured it was going to be a, a right hook. I didn't think it was going to be the left liver shot. Um, Do you think that was a statement punch against? I think Ryan? it was. I think, I think it, was. it was too. And you know, it's it's one of those things that I'm really noticing. There's a trend now. At, I think probably in the last 20, 30 years, because in the, in the school systems, 
kids are not being forced to be right-handed. We're mm. seeing the natural progression of lefties start to, you know, show up in the sport and they're everywhere and they're talented and they're sharp, right? And they see things from a different perspective. And what I'm noticing out there is uh, boxing is one of those sports that, that people are slow to catch on to the trend, right? So, you know, people are not recognizing that you better start learning how to fight lefties mm -hmm. because we're coming mm -hmm. with those straps, right? Yeah. You got two heavyweights now. You got that big bang zang that's got a strap, an interim strap. You got Usyk. He's got a strap. He's one of my absolute favorite Absolutely. boxers to watch. Absolutely. Like the movement. He, I mean, he's like a, a huge dude that moves like Lomachenko almost. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. It just, uh, but that's conditioning too, right? Like yeah. at the end and of the day. And very much style. That's, that's, that's the kind of that Eastern European style. Absolutely. A lot of the Ukrainian boxers, yeah. they have yeah. that style of footwork. Yeah. They keep you circling to your, Absolutely. your lead head. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, if you wanted to look at a heavyweight, a uh, textbook heavyweight on how you do it, I mean, there's not too much that Usyk does that that's flawed or that you could pick apart, right? And say, mm -hmm. hey, you know, he could improve upon that. You know, maybe, you know, he, he could, you know, add a little bit more power game to him, but mm -hmm. that's going to that's gonna change who he is as well, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that man can go 12 rounds with anybody yeah. at any pace. I agree. And, so what uh, do you think about some of the drama then with, you know, not being able to get the contract with Ty like signed with Tyson Fury and they were <laughs> shit talking back and forth about money and w what's your thoughts on that? Well, um, personally, I think um, yeah, Tyson does a great job at uh, promoting himself, uh, creating a buzz. He's not afraid to do stuff and say stuff to, to create controversy or mm -hmm. to, you know, to create a bit of a buzz, right? Um, I really admire the way Usyk handles his business. He's just a no-nonsense kind of guy. He's an honorable guy. He's just a dude. He wants to show yeah. up and fight. Sign and then he the wants contract. to go home and hang out with his wife. Exactly. He's like the exactly, most right. normal, lovely yeah. person. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, I, I, I got a lot of respect for how um, how he conducts himself, right? And that's that's how a professional boxer should. Yeah, and a champion. absolutely. A good sportsmanship, you know, yeah. good ambassador to the yeah. sport for sure. Yeah. But I mean, you, you got to love a bad boy too, like Fury and the, the, the whole family running their mouths and the gypsy ways. Like it's, it is pretty entertaining for the sport, you know, the, for You sure. know, there's no such thing as bad publicity, right? And that's the thing. Like when you, when you realize that, then you can find ways to leverage it and market it, right? And so, you know, he, one day you'll see him, you know, being humble and contrite and talking about mental health awareness. And yeah. you can just see literally this is a, this is just, this is the act today, right? Yeah, He's this, your PR manager said, hey. Yes, I, I got to come and look humble and contrite, right? Yeah, yeah. And then meanwhile, you know, he's out there calling guys every obscenity and, you know, being as rude and disrespectful as you possibly can in, in an interview, right? And mm. so like, you know, yeah, you got to sell you got to sell, you got to build, but I think that there's a line and then you got to also remember that there's people out there in the world that just don't take disrespect kindly. Right. Mm. And you know, he's lucky there's millions of dollars involved. You know, there's some guys, you know, I remember in the eighties, Mike Tyson, <laughs> like in Tony Tucker, they were, they were like fist fighting out in the street. You yeah. know what I mean? So like <laughs> yeah. he was breaking, breaking fools faces in, in press conferences, right. Yeah. For being disrespectful. And you know, I don't necessarily agree with that, right? Mm -hmm. But that set the stage. You knew when you showed up to show some respect, right? Mm -hmm. Carry yourself with a little bit of honor and a little bit of dignity, right? Yeah, so absolutely. I, I can't say that I have a lot of respect for how Tyson conducts himself, uh, but he's definitely entertaining to watch. And, you know, I can't take anything away from his skills for a guy that size uh, to be able to do some of the things he's done. Done is pretty amazing, right? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Even just um, the his offense for a guy that size yeah. is pretty like his movement for sure is pretty. I don't know many guys that that big could, that could move like that. So he's definitely yeah. got a sauce for sure that he's developed. But I know my opinion, I think realistically it's the size that's absolutely the predominant factor. Like if, oh, if the gypsy he's king was six foot three or guys. six foot four, he would, we wouldn't even, we wouldn't even know who he is. Yeah. He'd be a journeyman fighter with a 500 record probably. Totally. And speaking of dwarfing too, like, okay, so Andy Ruiz, is that confirmed? And how is that going to go down? Like he's punching know. at like waist height with Ruiz, but Andy Ruiz know. is a fast guy. He is. And he doesn't waste a lot of punches. He's, you know, he doesn't bounce around a whole lot, wasting energy out of his legs. Right. Yeah, he's pretty planted. He's going to sit there and wait for his opportunity to explode. Yeah. Tyson, you know, he does like, he has good reflexes and timing, but he also goes through those phases of like 
complacency in there, right? Mm. Where you can just tell he's on autopilot. His hands are low. He's throwing his jab from down here. His right hand's down around his boobs, right? And, mm. you know, if somebody's in, in the proper position, they could take advantage of that, right? That's a little closer to his size, I think. Right? So do you think that's a fairly competitive fight then? Something Tyson should be, you know, not so cocky over? Well, what I do think is that Tyson's kind of been on cruise control the last couple of years, right? right? Um, and since the Wilder fight, really, um, he's been just on easy street. Yeah. And uh, I think that can actually rent space in your head as a fighter. Hmm. You know, um, if you're in there against soft opposition um, or guys you fought three times where it's a glorified sparring match for mm. a whole bunch of money. A whole bunch of money. Um, you know, basically that's that's going to start renting space in your head when you have to fight somebody for real now i think andy's got a whole lot of issues as well you know i've i've heard he's got some personal stuff that's you know mm. been out there and social media and stuff that could affect you know his headspace and his ability to to prepare for that but if he's if he's in a good place and he and he puts a good strong camp in with the guy that he's with it looks like he's got him in better shape um i think that's a really competitive fight and I wouldn't be surprised if he did win it, to be honest. I think he would probably end up winning it by a surprise knockout win or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those weird things. Sometimes you can be so small, it's an advantage, right? And, mm-hmm. and Ruiz is 6'3", maybe, right? Um, so he, he stays low. He's going to crouch. He's going he's gonna to attack the body. It's going to be a real interesting one mm-hmm. if that does end up happening. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that fight. Yeah. Now, I wanted to, to touch on um, something that I thought was super impactful. Um, your, when I interviewed you, interviewed you at the end of the last fight, you had some pretty amazing words, and I think that touched a lot of people. What did it mean to you to be able to say that in that moment? Um, I think it, um, it was a relief because mm-hmm. I really started to feel kind of boxed in by it. And, like, originally when that nickname was was given to me i i kind of felt a little conflicted with it hmm. initially right because um, i i've you know i've watched the documentaries i know mm. what's up right so there's there's a good and a bad side mm-hmm. to that um but nonetheless it kind of got stuck on me and i just ran with it and then another nickname got slapped on me that was like once again just so unbelievably accurate from the business of boxing mm. uh but once again just a really polarizing thing so i ended up back with with that same nickname and not feeling good about it. And then, you know, really going into that fight, I just, I I felt like that was the right thing to do. Um, And I felt like that was a great opportunity to get away from it. And I think um, I'm not going to regret that decision, right? Because like, I don't have any, I don't have any ill will to any people of Latin descent, right? And certainly wouldn't want to feel like anything that I'm doing out there in the world or how I'm carrying myself is causing, you know what I mean, hurt or upset or, you know what I mean, negative feelings and emotions towards me, right? I got enough people that kind of hate on me without just jumping into the hat and, Mm. you know, piling it on unnecessarily, right? So I feel good about that decision. And maybe my nickname is no nickname needed, right? Like literally that could be the nickname. Yeah. That guy doesn't need a nickname. He can stand on his own. Hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. The nickname is a really interesting part of the sport, isn't it? That like, you know, there's been lots of guys that haven't had them, but Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes they kind of get, yeah, like you said, slapped on you and then you kind of end up wearing that. But I thought, yeah, I thought that was regardless, you know, a super um, powerful moment, I think for everybody. Um, And uh, I wanted to kind of commend you on that, on that speech and, and, you know, what it took to, to say that and to drop that and the meaning behind that. I think that was just, was brilliant. We had a, we had a lot of like really, you know, beautiful moments, Sure. Uh, you know, at the end of those fights and, and I was going like, man, like if there's, <laughs> if there's a dry eye in the room right now, like you guys have no soul. So yeah. that was, that was a cool moment. I wanted to, I wanted to touch on that with you. Thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about the camp going in. Like what, what are you spending your time doing right now? I mean, I guess you're kind of just touching on the edge of starting mm-hmm. yeah. into, into camp life. So yeah. what's the schedule for, for Jay these days? Right now, I'm pretty much five days a week with uh, with Frankie at Box to Fit, getting our work in there, and uh, you know, training people five to seven days a week as well. Yeah, um, it's a, it costs a lot yeah, of steam, doesn't it? It does, and so you know, really, um, my my routine isn't all that much different. Whether mm-hmm. I'm at the the peak of it, you know, towards the end of uh, uh, training camp or at the beginning of it, I just I really just keep that 
train, recover, and repeat mentality, yeah. right? Tell us about some of the most impactful and most important parts of your routine that keep you sort of disciplined and focused. Uh, well, I think the biggest thing is that um, I don't spend a lot of time. Out. I don't really have much of a social life because, you know, I've got so many commitments with those two careers, right? Mm -hmm. And then I also have my children that I try and spend as much time as I can with, right? So, um, you know, really, I do have a full plate, I think, for me. I try just not to take on too much. Hmm. Um, because I'd rather do a couple of things really well than a bunch of things half-assed, mm -hmm. right? So uh, for me, I think knowing that the, the, the skill development portion right now uh, is being able to uh, get taken care of, but the, 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 you know, the contact part isn't, mm -hmm. it still causes me some anxiety uh, because I have to go to Toronto, take my little mini training, training camp yeah. there and I'm going on my own. I don't have anybody there with me. I walk into a gym with my, with my gym bag and I just put the work in. Right. So, um, you know, I don't think about it too much, but I know that that also sends a message too, right? Like it just, that doesn't happen. People don't leave for a training camp, leave their whole team behind and just, yeah. you know, go solo. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, once again, it's just, it isn't even about marketing or branding. This is just who I am. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's just, I've, I've allowed my, my sense of being to come out in my social media and and in the world a little bit more so now even you know with spirituality just being more vocal about my 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 stance or where i'm at right um it wasn't like it was anything different i was just not as vocal about it beforehand mm. right so mm. did it take um a little bit of extra i don't know courage or bravery to be more vocal or more honest about kind of what you really thought and how you felt yeah, because I think, like, first of all, until you start having some success, people are going, that guy's fucking delusional. He's crazy. He thinks he's going to be a champion, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, um, you know, you have to just remember at those points in time that it's temporary, right? And um, really, the only one that's going to stop you from achieving what you want to is yourself. It's, it's those messages that you tell yourself when times are tough, right? Um, where you give yourself permission to quit or, mm. or find a way, right? Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know how to quit at anything. If I did, I might have quit at something beforehand. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a harder route when you don't quit. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, essentially this is now the back end of my career, which to me is still the peak of it. Like I, I don't see any sign of decline right now in my performance. I don't feel it in my conditioning. Mm -hmm. I don't feel it when I'm in there sparring against super heavyweights, you know. Um, I was fortunate to to get to spar with uh, Ryan Riziki, who's not a super heavyweight, but um, the guy can bang for sure. And, um, you know, all the other guys that I spar with there, Big 12 and those guys, uh, all really big guys that, that bring out the best of me, right? So I look forward to going back there, even though I don't have my team with me, because it's almost like that's my surrogate home now, right? Mm. I hit those gyms and those guys are all looking forward to, to me coming through, right? I've, built so much uh, so many positive relationships and stuff like that on the ground in Toronto so it's just been such a blessing awesome yeah. awesome Jay I can't thank you enough for taking the time and coming out here to, to chat with us it's been such a pleasure to get to know you and um, you know just a really really well spoken thoughtful you know um, way that you you kind of express yourself and, and it's been just an honor to, to chat with you tonight so thanks for coming out thank you so much I appreciate that there's been another episode of the Empire Boxing Podcast with the champ the CPBC title holder Jay Byard we will see you next time make sure to listen follow and subscribe to Empire Boxing on Apple Spotify and YouTube